0: Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're gonna answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Jeff. Yeah. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Um, just getting over a sickness. Yeah. Not sure what it
1: was. Maybe flu. Yeah. Adjacent.
0: I don't know. I think I was getting a sinus infection the other day. Yeah. So everybody's got something.
1: Yeah. Going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, um, you know, I think they're, I don't know, my dad said something about like, they're good, like, you know, because I was like, I got a flu shot, but I'm still kind of feeling sick. And my dad was like, Yeah, but there were also some reports of like, there's like a different. Like strain of flu that showed up a little earlier than they expected. Oh, it's
0: called the Jeff flu. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. sounds (laughs) ominous.
1: Some chump named Jeff started spreading it. No, like it's just one of those things. Like, and like it's not a, it's not, it's not like a serious strain or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But like, so maybe that's what I had because it, like, it didn't feel great, but it wasn't the worst sickness I've ever had. Sure, sure. So, but you know, feeling okay. Like my voice is back to normal because I was pretty groggy. Oh, sure, sure. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little phlegmy maybe, but, uh, hopefully that doesn't bother anybody. I, cause I know some, Ooh, tell me more, Jeff. Well, cause like stuff like that can come through on a microphone, Sure, you know, sure. so like you get that, like the mucousy noise. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> so I, I apologize if that comes through, but you know, okay. but I'm feeling all right. otherwise. Well,
0: so speaking of, of, uh, I don't know how this is speaking fluids. of that, but <laughs> so we just put out uh, our my, my birthday party conflict episode, uh-huh. <laughs> which uh, I th- I think it was pretty cool. I I had a disclaimer at the beginning. I don't think that, that episode is going to appeal to everybody. Um, but uh, you know, hey, if you don't like it, tune in next week. And here we here we are. Right. So, uh, but it was you know it was fun to record that. I think it was a fun experiment. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Other people will take my, maybe I'll be a trendsetter. Other people will have audio guest books at their parties sure. And sure. make podcasts out of it or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was sort of weird because when you were talking to me about it after, afterwards, you were like, it's, you know, some people, you know, who nor- normally are, you know, you know, you talk normally with them all the time, but you get them in front of a microphone and they, and they clam of, up. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I get that. But. Like at this point, I'm at least at least sitting here in front of you at this microphone. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite because sure. like I'm usually you know fairly reserved, yeah. Unless I get in like you know a goofy mood or I'm just in a comfortable scenario or something. But like once I sat down, I was like, oh yeah, I could do this. I, like <laughs> sure. this is just what I do now.
0: Like yeah, you could, and you and Steve, uh, because I've recorded with yeah. both of you at least over the last year or more. Um, like
1: I I could BS. I could just BS on this microphone for
0: sure. hours. We had we had somebody on Twitter uh, t- tell us they just listened to our dinner party conflict episode <laughs> and they were they they loved how committed we were to the bit. And I was like, it it shocked both of us how <laughs> yeah. easy it was for us like, to do that episode. Well, yeah,
1: once we got into it, it just it just kept it, the the uh, <laughs> the the gravy just flowed out. Yep. <laughs> and uh. I just noticed Gabe is wearing a ramen noodle soup shirt like it's the ramen packaging it,
0: it is a ramen it looks like a ramen packet yeah but it, it is but uh, it's a shirt, it's a shirt. <laughs> that's yes. a great and shirt my wife has a uh, this exact same thing but it's a hoodie
1: oh oh wow yeah oh that's awesome
0: that's pretty good that's
1: really cool <laughs> i'm super jealous tell your wife i'm jealous
0: i i will <laughs> um so just a a couple little current events that are maybe relevant for relevant to our listener base uh i have recently picked up pokemon the pokemon yes. shield right we may be doing a bonus uh, p- Patreon bonus episode about that. Yes, um, maybe. Uh, I also picked up Neverwinter Nights. Oh yeah, have I've. You, have I, you tried it yet? I've only played maybe like twenty minutes of it, and it's it's a little weird to control. There are no touch controls. Right. I am very surprised. I was expecting there to at least it at least be an option. Yeah. But uh, I mean, so far I'm I'm only in the tutorial. I haven't really done much combat. I've read some reviews, and some people complain about the. Combat controls. It's re- you can't really like manually lock on to an enemy. Mm-hmm. If this were if there were touch controls, you could just tap on the enemy and lock onto them, yeah. or the enemy, or whatever it is you're locking onto, because you can lock onto a door and then interact with that door. Um, so I'll I'll have to see how it how well that plays as I go through it. Right. Yeah. So far, again, I'm just in the tutorial. It hasn't been too hard. It's been intuitive enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it looks like a fairly old game because it is a fairly old game. But right. you know, I'm I'm excited to try and play through some more of it. It's been a long time since I played that game. Yeah,
1: uh, there there's like there's a a fight at the end of like the first chapter that mm-hmm. like I had to like I don't know I must have been like underpowered for it or something like that. But I had to restart over and over again. Cause, yeah, because I had to get it just right because I was getting my butt kicked. So like I had to like you know just you know, like try to like. Like lead this one guy out so I can kill him one at a time or something like that. So like I I feel like when you're trying to get that tactical with it, it might be kind of difficult dealing with the controls. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Because I am interested. I am interested in picking it up, but I did want to see your, you know, your opinion on the on how it's controlling. Sure.
0: It I will say it feels like a fairly sloppy port. Okay. The, the text is a really weird resolution like it doesn't line up with the pixels right. The text mm. just looks weird. Okay. Also all of the uh the, the like the cinematics, the game doesn't have a ton of cinematics, but the ones that it does have right are stretched. Huh. Like like too wide. There's they yes, they they were standard definition yeah. and they have been stretched to fit the Switch's screen. Ooh, which is Why? W- did nobody load up this game? Yeah. to to see how it looked like just put some letter boxes on it. There. Cuz there's like the
1: there's like that intro cinematic with the guy fighting the, exactly, the Minotaur. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that whole
0: thing it's it's stretched. I
1: watched that cinematic yeah so much <laughs> when like cuz before before Neverwinter Nights came out originally mm-hmm. like like I, like, I remember, like, just waiting for that game. Yeah, I feel like that is one of the earlier games that I, like, waited for. You okay. know, I was like, oh, I want this game. Oh, yeah. I so want this game. When does it come out? Oh, it comes out next. Oh, next whatever. Dang it. Oh, I got to wait that long? And then, like, the game comes out, and my computer can't run it, you know? Oh, no. And, like, <laughs> but, like, you know, but... I had my dad like get a new graphics card for the computer or Mm -hmm. something like that. Cause I, I remember the words, uh, I remember my mother, like when I was like asking my dad, if I could, if we could upgrade the computer, he's like, I don't know. My mom's like, he's been waiting for this damn game for so long. Just (laughs) let him just just get it for
0: sure. I, uh, I started playing Neverwinter nights when I, um, I had just started playing D and D with a group of, with Mm -hmm. a guy from my high school. And then like his friend who had already graduated, uh, this guy by the name of Matt and, uh, Um, after I played with them for a little while, I think that group kind of dissolved as, as campaigns tend to do. Mm. And, but then Matt, I was still friends with him. And so he would invite me over. I would go over to his, he was living with his parents at the time. I, so I, we would go into their basement and then he had two computers down there. So we would play together, you know, with like a a LAN or whatever. And, um, he told me like, he knew the game pretty well. He told me like, Hey, you just go do whatever you want. If you need help with something, let me know and I'll come and help you with it. Um, and then, you know, we were kind of just both off playing our own game yeah. in the same world.
1: Yeah. That was the, that was one of the cooler things about it. It's like, like the, cause like the first segment of the game after the tutorials, basically mm-hmm. like there are four different four. paths that you can yeah. go on Yeah, and you like, you got to go and get each one at some point. But like, if you're playing online with people, you could mm-hmm. just be like, I'm going to go take care of this one. You can go do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And like. You know, uh, if you achieved one of the lines, you like you turn in the quest basically, Mm -hmm. and then like there's this like. Lady Arabeth or whatever her name is, like yeah. announces to the city, like, oh, the, the the adventurers have brought back the whatever, the Water Davian creatures. <laughs> yes. You know, and so like you, like if you're in another dungeon somewhere, I think you can overhear I that. I think so, you know? yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. They got that done.
0: <laughs> yeah, Matt would have to, he would like, give me a warning. He'd be like, hey, by the way, I'm about to turn in this quest, so. <laughs> Just plug your
1: ears. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was a, there was a, th- another tangent, but uh, there's a thing in um one of the World of Warcraft uh expansions. Uh, wrath of the lich king okay but it was one of like the patches afterwards where there was like a new raid out okay basically like the main city hub for that expansion was this floating you know wizard city that mm-hmm. everybody like both factions were in and stuff it was, uh, that wasn't Dalar- 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 was it. Dalar- yeah, okay yeah and like there was some quest that you would turn in when you finished a raid uh, one of the raids that would like Turn the sky like black, and like Whoa. all these like stars and stuff would show up, and then like this big, you know, like this big beam of light would be shooting up in the air, and then like a big booming voice would be like, "Oh, so and you know the adventurers save the d- the town and blah blah blah," and like it would just like it would like everything would just stop, you know, for this whole thing, and like, yeah, but it would happen. Over and over again, because that is everybody's point, doing this quest. Everybody's doing this quest, so you just like you know the whole sky would turn black and it's like up oh, sky is turning black again. Yeah. All right,
0: <laughs> that's kind of funny. All right, so Jeff, I want you to imagine mm-hmm. that you are a a bar wench in an upscale tavern. Okay, or if you would like to in this scenario uh, be be male, you could be a a mensch. A
1: me- oh, yeah, bar- a bar mensch.
0: <laughs> now, I think we figured out that uh, the male version of a wench is a swain. Swain. So you you are either a bar wench or a bar swain, your choice. Okay. In an upscale tavern. Uh, I still want to be a mench. Okay. Your, your <laughs> boss, Mr. Stevens, looms over you in the corner. Uh-huh. He doesn't mean to, but after all, his neck is several feet long. Mm. He's currently washing dirty mugs. He motions with one wing for you to clear the tables. You walk over and pick up a set of beer vessels. You ask Mr. Stevens where to put them. He points to the wall on which rests the flagons board. <laughs> oh, that's good. That was uh, that was submitted by Dustin F on, uh, uh, on the Discord. Yeah. Uh, Thank you
1: Dustin. That's a, f- a fine pun. Yes.
0: That's we've a... we've gotten a few, uh, just a few Dragon's Horde intros on there, but uh, I particularly liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, today's magic item was also submitted by Dustin F. This time by email, though. Mm. Um, and the magic item that Dustin submitted is the Manacles of the Mage Slave. Yeah. Now, uh, he actually submitted this like a month or two ago, but I accidentally put it in the wrong folder. So he had to bring that to my attention. So sorry. If Oops. if you've submitted something to the show and you feel like we've forgotten about it, it might have happened. It might have happened. It might just be, it's, you know, we've got a long list of a lot of things that we, right you know.
1: Yeah. don't And I guess don't feel bad about resubmitting stuff. If you oh use, yeah. Not you at know. all.
0: Yeah. Worst thing that happens is we don't use it a second time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oops. No, especially with like questions and stuff. I mean, we, we've got a lot of questions we've had for a long time and it's, it's more a matter of we're trying to find what um what will be good for a specific episode. Sure. And we try
1: to we try to have things fit or in a theme kind sometimes. Of,
0: also, sometimes we know a question has a good answer, we just don't have it yet. Sure. So we we put it off until we've got yeah. several questions we're specifically holding off until we have like a really good response to
1: it. Yeah, it'll be like this is a good question. Yeah. No idea how to answer it. Exactly. But You know, we'll figure it out eventually.
0: Yeah. So anyway, the Manacles of the Mage Slave. Mm -hmm. A complete set is rare to find, as the control key is a closely guarded item. Hmm. Housed inside an ebony box with mithril filigree, the set contains an intricate cut obsidian key with inset gems surrounding the crest of a forgotten house, a set of fine silk gloves, and a wide flat platinum torque inscribed with intricate arcane script of unknown content. A history check will will reveal that this belonged to the elite guard of a defunct house of slavers. Detect magic reveals legendary level enchantment. This is a powerful magic item. Should a character pick up the command key, the torque and the gloves begin to hum. Speaking the true name of a mage within line of sight causes the gloves to fly out of the box onto the named mage. The torque stretches over the mouth and the gloves bind together. The mage is thus unable to cast any spell with verbal or somatic components. The holder of the key can then speak a command to the captured mage. The arcane inscription flares, casting Gaius upon the mage. Or or Gesh, I think we, uh, I think I said that was pronounced a few episodes ago when we talked about that. Mm. Um, Anyway, the arcane inscription flares, casting Gesh upon the mage. The gloves and torque then unbind for the length of the commanded task. For example, casting a spell. Should the mage attempt to break free the bindings reform? Finally, the key holder can speak a word of release, causing the gloves and torque to return to the ebony box. And then uh, Dustin added, I am I'm not sure of the balance of this item. I'm sure tweaks need to be made. My main thought process was creating an interesting backstory, especially if an incomplete set is found, or if a character should put on the gloves or torque without knowing what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. This yeah. is uh, a magic item made to, to stop casters from casting spells. Yeah, to sub- subdue mages. Yeah, that's
1: pretty cool. Like it's, like it very very well detailed, mm-hmm. and uh, I can see this being like, I almost like go, going back to the like asylum adventure that we keep trying to run. Sure, <laughs> it sure. Makes, it makes me think of like like a like a, a mages asylum or something. I, yeah, I don't know. It'd be like put in a very creepy setting.
0: Yeah, because the thing about casting spells in D&D is that uh, generally speaking, it's very hard to stop someone from doing it. Yeah. You know, if if, if there is a, if spells are very powerful, and so if you have a, a powerful spellcaster and you don't want them to be casting spells, it's, it's hard to do so without some sort of, of a magic item specifically designed to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, you can stop them from moving their hands, but a lot of spells, there are a lot of spells that don't have uh, somatic components, you can gag them or whatever. But there are a lot of spells that don't have verbal components. Yeah, there are ways for casters to cast spells without either of those. So having a magic item that uh, that does stop them from doing at least ones with those components, right? Yeah, most is, uh, it's, it's an important thing, and I like the flavor of this. I like how that it's like part of a, a house of slavers. Mm-hmm. It's not just someone who's putting someone in jail. This is they are taking someone captive and yeah. you know putting the, them into forced labor or whatever. They, yeah, enslaving mages. Like that's yeah. that's interesting. That's yeah. Shoot, I didn't even The way you put that, that is is that's a plot hook right there. Yeah,
1: that's like yeah, like who who would be
0: so powerful mm-hmm. as to need m- magic slaves? <laughs> yeah. And I like how with this magic item, you can momentarily let them cast spells. Right. yes. The thing can come apart, and then they can cast.
1: You're basically you're setting up like a contingent, like like all right, I'm going to allow you to cast a spell because I need you to. Yeah. Like, cast move earth. You know. You know. Slave. I don't. I don't don't know.
0: It's just crazy because you always think of like the mage as being the the one that's like taking everybody captive or whatever. There was uh, this is a, a bit of a tangent, but there was a uh, Dave Foley movie called The Wrong Guy. Dave Foley being a Canadian comedian, he was in mm. uh, Kids in the Hall, okay, lots, lots yeah. of other stuff. And one of the, one of the parts of this movie, he goes in. He's he's on the run, and he goes into this town where the bankers are in trouble because all these rich farmers are are tearing down their <laughs> banks and pl- planting a fresh crop of corn. And oh, geez. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's funny to see the see that the tables turned a little bit you know <laughs> they
1: they turned that parking lot into a park
0: i don't care if that bank's been in your family for generations <laughs> good to the broccoli fields jedediah it's a good movie you shouldn't go watch it. it's called the wrong guy um anyway so yeah so i think this is this is a very interesting item it very mm-hmm. it fills a very interesting role in a campaign world yeah um i do love the 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 flavor that dustin gave it the backstory Mm -hmm. it's really really cool um i i don't know if i've ever seen anything quite like this i feel like in a lot of cases if you're going to have a magic item that um that prohibits spellcasting it's probably going to be either like oh it just creates an anti-magic field or oh it just creates a field of silence and then they can't Speak right, you know,
1: but, but this is like—it's just a magic item that physically yeah. stops them from well, doing it. But
0: also, those they stop them from doing it, but all the time and like a field of silence. How do you talk to? How do you? How do you communicate with them what you need them to do? Right, because you can yeah. sign language or something. But but if I really really like the the little detail on this that you can undo it for a moment so they can cast spells and then you you know. <laughs> They come back together
1: uh, I just imagine a silly scenario where like I don't know like this this snarky bard or rogue or something accidentally gets the like the mask basically put yeah. on their face and like it keeps them from talking sure but then like the paladin knows the command to let it to let <laughs> them speak or whatever yeah <laughs> so like it's just like uh you know the they're, they're you know they only found the one part and now it's sure, stuck on the sure. rogue's face but the you know the paladin <laughs> Found a sheet with the word on, with the command word on it, so he can like, you know, like shut the rogue up whenever he wants to or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's definitely some, some fun shenanigans that can yeah. be had with uh, encountering this, this sort of an item. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's really cool. Good job, Dustin. Yeah. So there's a lot of work went into this clearly, and it's. I think it's really cool. Cool. So I guess that'll do it for the Dragon's Horde. Jeff, if anybody wanted to submit magic items for the Dragon's Horde mm-hmm. or questions for us to discuss mm-hmm. or stories for the funeral pyre, mm-hmm. how would they do so?
1: They can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com or join us on our Interparty Discord at bit.ly slash Interparty Discord. That's correct.
0: And we, uh, a couple episodes ago, I think we, we, we joked about having instead of the funeral pyre, the uh, the retirement plan, or something. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think we've gotten a submission or two for oh, yeah. that on the Discord. Cool. So. Yeah, because so.
1: I mean, like you know, not because that that is a cool idea. Like knowing what a what a character does after the adventure. Yeah. You know? So
0: yeah. <laughs> now, now I have to come up with a it's an like intro for sure. The, <laughs> the retirement plan. All right. Um, so uh, before we go any further, Jeff. Uh-huh. We have a giveaway Oh gosh, today. we do Yes, we do We are giving away a copy of Chapel on the Cliffs Courtesy of Goblin Stone Chapel on the Cliffs is a great low-level 5th edition adventure uh, Once again from Goblin Stone Goblin Stone is a group of creators based in the UK And they've created lots of great adventures Lots of award-winning stuff uh, And uh, uh, Chapel on the Cliffs being one of those mm-hmm. So, uh, Jeff, who is our winner of this great adventure today? Today's winner is Tori R. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Winner! We're... Gobble, gobble, gobble! Yes, congratulations, Tori R. You should be getting that in your email within the next few days. Uh, if you haven't gotten it in about a week, let us know. It might be in your spam folder. Um, they might be running a bit late. You know all that sort of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, um, let us know if you haven't gotten that, and be sure to leave Goblinstone a review. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure they can they can take your advice and then try to use some of uh, some of what you have to say in future adventures and try and make uh, their future adventures better. Yeah. Um, And then I also want to thank our wonderful patrons. We have a Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict, where we've got uh, various rewards on there for anybody who wants to pledge a certain amount of money per month to uh, to help keep the show running. We've got outtakes. I've got fantasy fiction I've written. I'm making some of those into uh, audio format, so you can listen to them as well. Uh, We've also got um, a monthly Roll20 game. We keep hitting... (laughs) Hitting various obstacles as uh, as the months go on. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah. hey, whatever. I feel like just just this part of the year. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, and the last few months of the year, it's the holidays. I mean, yeah.
0: everybody's got uh, got stuff going on, right? So, you know, hey, as, as long as as long as everybody's still still having a good time and still happy with uh, donating to the Patreon, I'm, yeah, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so anyway, yeah, we, we've got some cool stuff on there. If you feel like donating to the show, you can help make the show better and uh, and get some cool stuff in return. So go check out the rewards, see if anything appeals to you, and uh, and if so, thank you. And of course, thank you to everybody who has donated so far. You guys are awesome. And then just one more quick thing: check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy at CritAcademy.com. Justin, Ian, and Brandon create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. We've also got uh, Brute Force and Ignorance, which is an actual play on the network. There's some great guys, some of which are in the UK, some are in America. Um, so so the the only cross-Atlantic yeah. actual play, I think, is, is how they said. <laughs> so uh, check them out. Also, check out uh, d and Character Lab. They're not making any episodes anymore, but uh, they still got some great stuff out there you can go listen to. So yeah. check that out. Uh, enough of that. You want to go ahead and get into some questions, Jeff? Sure. Our first question comes from David E on Discord.
1: How do you feel about wild magic zones? Uh, should a wild magic zone affect divine casters or just arcane casters? And can you think of other kinds of wild zones that could have different eva- effects?
0: Yeah. So th- this. We, sometimes we get questions that are just kind of like, "Hey, what are some cool ideas? More right, stuff." Sure. And I, I, that's kind of how I'm treating this one. I think there's a lot of, a lot of cool potential with this one. Yeah.
1: Well, well, off the bat, the 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 first part of the question well the 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 middle part of the question okay. guess, is uh you know should they affect you know if should something that is a wild magic zone should that affect divine casting as well as arcane casting because when you think wild magic you think of like a wild sorcerer okay like a wild a wild mage or a wild you know or um is it just wild sorcerer in fifth edition i can't I remember. Think so, yeah it, where it, it is mostly for you know in in arcane magics that you that you see this sort of thing mm mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like if you if you set it up with the intent of it just sort of being like magic is just wild here. Sure, it, divine would fall under that too.
0: Yeah. Well, if we could, let's take it just a brief moment and say what maybe someone doesn't know what a wild, wild magic, magic zone is. Yeah. So, um, I always thought of wild magic zones as being something specific to Feyrune to the Forgotten Realms for a okay. long time. I don't think that's the case anymore. I'm pretty sure they're just in the Fifth Edition Dungeon Master's Guide. So, a wild magic zone is it's uh kind of like a a, a phenomenon that you can encounter in your D&D game Mm -hmm. that the DM will decide is somewhere in the world and you might run into it, where it is just kind of an area where magic functions weird. Mm -hmm. Now, I I believe that there are probably some specific mechanics to it. There's probably a chart somewhere you roll to see, oh, when you cast a spell, it becomes a fireball instead. Or, um, you know, whenever you cast a spell, you gain hit points or something. There's probably somewhere. I'm not going to look it up right now, but... Um, but generally speaking, it's just kind of an area of the world or the multiverse or whatever where the connection to magic is altered in some way and it is unpredictable. When you cast spells, they do things you are not expecting them to do. Sometimes magic might just happen spontaneously. Right. It's pretty much, I think it's pretty much the DM can use it for whatever the heck they want. Mm. There are, again, there are probably charts you can roll on, but generally speaking, the dungeon master can can do whatever they want with it yeah so the question here is how do you feel about them should they affect divine magic as well as arcane magic and then also can you think of other kinds of zones that would affect maybe things other than magic right that's that's kind of the part of the question i'm most excited to talk about sure well we'll save that for the end um so just general general thoughts what do you think of wild magic zones I like the idea,
1: like, cause I kind of like the idea of sort of like this natural phenomenon thing where it's, I don't know, like, it makes me think of something like a Star Trek episode where they come across like this weird <laughs> nebula or whatever. They yeah, fly this anomaly. Through, this anomaly that they fly through. It's like, oh, it's just a routine, whatever. We're going to scan it and just go on about our way. Yeah. Captain, you know, like, you know, deck three's disappeared.
0: What? You know? Uh, so, okay, small tangent. Um, I just started watching Star Trek Voyager. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because I, I've been watching Deep Space Nine because I'm listening to a podcast that's been going. It went through all of TNG. It's going through all of Deep Space Nine, and I, they're gonna start doing Voyager eventually. I decided to start watching Voyager. Sure, and it's really good. Yeah, it's it's like it's
1: got some, it's got some not so great episodes, and mm-hmm. like they kind of lean on. They lean on holodeck stuff. Uh, in, in, yeah,
0: there have been several holodeck episodes in yeah. just the first two seasons. Yeah, so they far.
1: lean on that. And then they lean on like temporal stuff later okay, on. Yeah. But for the most part, it's a good show. Like yeah. it's, you know, it, and for Skylar and I, it's very comforting. We just put it on all the time. So. Sure.
0: It, it definitely has the has a very strong premise. Uh-huh. And the first season is by far the strongest first season of any Star Trek series mm-hmm. that I've seen so far.
1: Yeah. Like in. I, like you get like you get pretty emotionally vested, invested in the characters too because they're on this like this big journey like yeah. you know they're they're like well this is this is our lives now this they can't is-
0: just go back to starfleet and restock or whatever yeah they have to overcome their problems yeah you know? and
1: like some some of the episodes, like it gets pretty interesting and in how they're like what they have to do to adjust mm-hmm. you know so like it's a it's a good show
0: but anyway i was i was thinking because uh there was an episode where like the layout of the ship kept changing. They would be like, okay, we're going to go from engineering to the bridge. But then they would go through a door and suddenly they're like in somebody's quarters. Right, yeah. And then like they would try to go back to where they just came from. And oh no, now they're in the kitchen yeah, or something. Yep, yep. <laughs> and that's, I think you really hit the nail on the head. It feels like a Star Trek thing. Right. Um. If you're, yeah, it's just like some, yeah, some spatial anomaly or some temporal... Some temporal. temporal flux. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I like the idea of wild magic zones. Mm-hmm. However, I really think it's a matter of how well it is implemented as with a lot of things. Right. How well it's implemented into the adventure. Yeah.
1: I feel like you're in danger of going to like the deck of many things sort of thing because Correct. it's a Correct. random role. And like a lot of the wild magic like charts mm-hmm. usually involve a couple things that are just like, what? You know, yeah. like I, I don't know. It might depend from addition to addition, but there are examples of like you create a like you cast you cast a spell and you roll the chart to see the added the wild effect. And it's like you create a dead magic zone for oh, like yeah. so many see, miles. Or whatever. That's
0: another thing that interests me. A dead magic zone is similarly a zone where just magic doesn't work. Right. And that is a terrifying concept to me. And every time I've encountered one in a game, Mm -hmm. that's been something that I've been like, guys, I don't know if we should go through this. Even when I wasn't a caster, Mm -hmm. I'm still like, guys, I know I'm a barbarian, but like, maybe go around this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know. Well, because think of like, think of real life if just suddenly there was just a pocket of town that just could not have electricity. Yeah. Just electricity just can't exist in this, in this zone. That would be so weird. Like,
0: (laughs) what? Yeah. I'm sorry. Huh? <laughs> well, sa- save that. For, we got that's an idea for for the end here. <laughs> sure. So, um I like wild magic zones, but I think that if you are going to implement if you're going if you're going to implement one in your game, I would actually recommend instead of doing just oh you roll on a chart or something, mm-hmm. I would actually kind of choose a bunch of specific effects. Yeah. Like whenever a player casts a fire spell, it comes out as an ice spell or whenever a player casts a healing spell, the nearest creature uh, grows in size or something. I I don't know.
1: So yeah, you set up the, like you set up the nature of the zone itself beforehand.
0: Sure. You set the rules. Yeah. Because I feel like, like in the Star Trek examples or whatever. Right. It's not just, oh, the writer just rolled a die and then that's what the next scene was. The writer had a specific scene in mind. So that's how it went. Right. It's, it's so that
1: the, like the, the characters in the show could figure it out. Sure. Figure out how to solve it, how to get out of it. So like in, you know, in the, in the, in the case of your adventure, like it would start off going of Like all this random stuff is happening until mm-hmm. they realize, okay, though there is sort of a pattern to it. We just got to kind of figure it out. So like, like I'm shooting, you know, like when I cast fireball, it actually comes out as lightning bolt. When I, when I try to cast magic missile, it comes out as cure light wounds or something. Sure. So like, you got to try and find out, okay. I got to cast this to do this, I got to cast that to do that or like you know, make it so like although all the, all the wizards are casting cleric spells or something, you know, <laughs> sure, like sure, sure. You you like switch the roles up that way maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um now I mean maybe maybe you might be thinking to yourself, "Oh, but then that doesn't feel wild." You know, if if it if they all have like pre prescribed rules. it's not
1: random, it's not wild. I guess.
0: I just think that if if it's if it's really random, if it's truly random, it's less it, it is less likely to be a fun experience and yeah. more just like, well, now, shoot, now what happens? Right. I would much rather have a moment, sorry to interrupt, I would mm-hmm. much rather have a moment where the players are like, oh, shoot, I know how to use this to get to where we want to go. Sure. When I cast uh Summon Monster last time, it turned Joe into a <laughs> ladder. Shoot, let's do that. Turn him <laughs> into a ladder. We'll climb up on top of that thing. Well, no, I don't want to be a ladder. Nope. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs>
1: joe's gotta be a ladder again <laughs> uh, yeah because again with the deck of many things like like the randomness like you it could be this like crazy cool thing or it could be just something lame yeah and like if you're rolling it's a chance that like every time you roll it's something lame sure oh your skin turns purple oh cool cool all right <laughs> that sure is wacky <laughs> uh but you know but then again like you know it's like a black hole Appears and sucks everything. Oh in. no!
0: You rolled double zeros. The uh, world is destroyed. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, like not, the sun
1: su- goes supernova. Not that I
0: think that that's something that's going to happen in a wild magic zone. But right. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. So, so I I like the idea of them. I think that uh, you know, me personally, I would probably try to choose some rules ahead of time and then yeah. try to try to even if if the rules are so complex, the players would never realize that they are rules. Mm. They might they might think that it is completely random. I personally would just rather know what is going to happen before it happens. Yeah, I guess, as as the dungeon master, or maybe
1: even just like if it's like a long like a list that you're rolling on, then you like refine it down to the few things that you want to have. Sure, you sure, know? So like there if there is some randomness to it, but you, at least you know it's not going to end your campaign or be too boring. You know, you could you can pick the ones you like that you feel like make the most sense for how you want to play it. Yeah.
0: Uh. So, uh, moving on to the second part of the question, uh-huh. should a wild magic zone affect divine casters or just arcane casters? Mm. Now, when when David E asked this question, I think uh, he was he was asking, does it affect divine casters? Oh, and I'm pretty sure by the book, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. By the book, magic is magic, right? Yes, you might be getting your spells from a god or a, a cause, or you might be getting your spells from you know just the magic in your blood or whatever. But I th- I think like. In most campaigns, they are one and the same. Where depending, No matter where you're getting them from, they are still both affected by Dispel Magic. Sure. They're both still affected by an anti-magic field. Yeah. You can change that, of course. You can decide that in your campaign, Divine Magic is fundamentally different mm-hmm. than Arcane Magic. That could be cool. You know, might might require a little bit of work to make sure everything right. uh, everything fits the way that it should. But uh, th- that could work. Um, just make sure that's something you get across to your players. Right, yeah. Uh, but... Should it, how, how would you feel if there was a field that a field of wild magic that only messed with arcane magic? Hmm.
1: I, I think that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not against that at all. Yeah. Cause like that, that's, that's one way to kind of tweak the field to make, to make it interesting to make it so that like the players have to kind of like adjust. Yeah. So it's like, okay, all arcane magic doesn't work here, but all divine magic does. Maybe you don't have any like purely divine casters, but yeah. like. I don't know. You might have like a couple divine scrolls on you or something. You know, I I don't know. Like it, I I think I think that'd be really interesting. Plus, like, it kind of plays into more like because you're defining the differences between divine and arcane. It, it I think that makes it more interesting. Like, it's yeah. that's something you one of, like one of your players can kind of read into. Maybe sure. like. Maybe they'll start their character will start going down a path of like, okay, trying to figure out like what are the differences. Like maybe they'll multi-class because of it.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I think the role-playing implications of Arcane and Divine Magic being different, mm-hmm. that's there's a lot there. There's yeah. definitely uh, especially if you realize that they are different because one is affected by this yeah. field and the other isn't.
1: Because like really you could have a player who really wants to be like the party's like main caster mm-hmm. and then you throw in these zones that get rid of that sometimes get rid of arcane magic, sometimes get rid of uh, divine magic. And well, there's like, well, if I want to be the caster, yeah. I want to make sure I can cast spells all the time. I'm going to multiclass into, you know, if I'm arcane, I want to multiclass into, into divine just so I can make sure no matter what I can, you know, be casting something.
0: Yeah. If, uh, so, so I, ever since fifth edition, I haven't really like played with or, or encountered many players that have done like a, a Mystic Theurge type character. Sure. For anybody not familiar, Mystic Theurge was the name of a prestige class in third edition and 3.5 where yeah. you basically, you leveled up in both cleric and wizard. Yeah. So like you would, you, in order to, to qualify, you had to have both cleric levels and wizard levels, yeah. or I guess like druid and sorcerer or whatever. I
1: think, yeah, I think it was just like an arcane caster and a, and a divine caster. And yeah. then it would like, you would, you, you definitely wouldn't have like max spell slots in both, but by the end you would have more if you, than if you just did like one of each, you know, like every other level. So
0: you didn't get the benefits of both classes, but you got spells from both, from both classes. Yeah. And so it was, it was a really interesting way to play a caster. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if there were a a character in your group that was like that, I think it'd be really interesting to have an encounter or have, have an adventure where, well, shoot, I can use my cleric spells that will definitely work. Or I really need to blow something up, but I don't know 100% if it's going to blow something up or freeze everything or whatever. You sure. know, like if, if if half of your character's abilities are usable and the other half are kind of uh, wild card. Sure. Uh, I th- I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. Um. Then again, I, I the point I was trying to make is that I haven't really played with many people or heard of many people in this edition that do that. Mm-hmm. Um. That would be an interesting archetype though, if they, if they made one of those for cleric or wizard or something like that, if yeah. was a, a specialization. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, sh- as far as should they, I-, I personally think they should, because I, I yeah. do subscribe to all magic being the same. Right. Now there is of course, uh, with psionics in the psionics handbook in previous editions, right? There's always been a little sidebar saying the game treats psionics as magic. Like, if you have dispel magic or whatever, it affects psionics too. But there's instructions on if you want it to not be, if you want them to be separate, Right. here's how you do it. You know, you put in a dispel psionics spell or, yeah. or whatever and, you know, so on and so on. So you could look at that as a model for how to make it so that arcane magic and divine magic are different. Mm-hmm. You might want to implement a magic spell that is uh, dispel arcane magic, dispel uh, divine magic. Right, yeah. Uh, maybe in a uh, divine anti magic field or or mm. whatever so a little bit of work i think needs to be done again to make it everything fit together well but uh um that's again that's a decision you should make pr- pretty early right. on i think
1: because i could see like yeah like there's um like ant- is it just anti magic shell is that like a spell or something or
0: There is an 8th level spell, an 8th level cleric and wizard spell that creates a 10-foot radius anti-magic field around you. Gotcha. And then there was also an environmental just, the DM might say, you just find an anti-magic field. Yeah. You know.
1: Now, I'm wondering if if you were to say, like, make spells that are, like, basically the same, but ones for specifically arcane spells, ones Mm -hmm. for specifically
0: divine spells. Yeah.
1: Would you consider that... Would you, would you put that at a higher slot level or a oh lower boy. level?
0: That's a, that's a tough one. Jeff. Well,
1: cause <laughs> I would say if it's like a wizard spell that is anti divine, yeah. that would be like a higher level because you can, you, that would be, you'd be able to use that to your advantage. So it's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to cast spells, but any divine can't, can't cast spells. Ha ha. But at the same time, it's like, well you know, anti-magic field just does everything.
0: Yeah. But that could be bad and good. I don't... It's tough because you can't necessarily judge the power of a spell based on how one person is using it. Right. If you're in an ice cavern, you can't be like, oh, well, fireball should be a fifth level spell because it's going to melt everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. Yes, that's true. But I don't know. I would be tempted to make it one level lower, but I don't know. I would have to to test that out. Yeah.
1: Maybe make it like smaller in size or duration or something like that as well just to kind of
0: yeah well so yeah i don't know i was gonna say make it the same level but make it bigger okay it's like a bigger feel yeah so like because i do think it is less powerful i think that yes it has applications yeah that could make it sure could make it stronger but i think base it is less powerful maybe make it a little bigger and make it the same same level I, Mm. i don't know yeah um yeah something that needs testing for sure (laughs) definitely definitely because like there was uh we we've dealt with in the past in in previous editions when making magic items Mm. there was a you could give yourself a limitation that only you could use it right and according to the book that meant that it was less expensive right even though a lot of people viewed that as oh shoot so it also has a built-in security system right yeah (laughs) And I I understand that viewpoint, but it is a limiting factor because you can't just give it to your buddy and have your buddy use it.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah, if you're passed out, no one's ever going to be, they they can't use that item just because you're there.
0: There was a time I was running a game where Steve had a ring of invisibility that only he could use and he got it really cheap because of that. And then there was a point where he wanted to use it on someone else. He wanted to give it to someone else to use, but that we realize, no, you can't do that. That's the whole point of the limitation. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's, I think that's a discussion for a different day, sure. whether anti-magic field would be lower or higher level. Um, but uh, yeah, just as, as far as whether it should work on both, I think it should work on both. Yeah. But it, you could, you could make it work on right. this one.
1: Yeah. Unless you want it to be different. I, I feel like it should just, just for ease, just yeah. to make it everything easier. Like all magic is just magic. You know, it, it just makes things so simple. Yeah.
0: Um. And then uh, I, I guess the the last part of the question is, can you think of other kinds of wild zones that could have different effects? Mm. You said, what if there's an area where electricity just doesn't work?
1: Right. Or yeah. So like specific elements don't work. You yeah. Know? Or so like or like elementals of that nature like would just like destroy themselves if they fell into that field or something like that. Yeah. I actually, just thought of one when we were talking earlier was like like an echo chamber sort of thing okay but like a magic echo chamber so like if so like there's a bunch of people in this field Mm -hmm. and a spell spell caster casts fireball sure and then like a couple rounds later later that same fireball spell happens again or something or like or maybe like it would that energy would travel into somebody else and somebody else would suddenly be able to cast fireball for, you know, like, the, like you'd be, you. So if you cast a spell, you'd be
0: risking having somebody else cast that same spell later if they wanted to, or something okay. like that. Well, so you just made me think of something that I think is a great idea. Mm-hmm. The party goes into a dungeon or whatever. And then they notice that, like something's weird. Something feels weird. Mm-hmm. And they, they realize after an encounter starts that they have stepped into a delayed magic zone.
1: Oh, okay. every
0: time you cast a spell, It goes into effect around later. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. That could be real, especially because if you, if you built an encounter around it, that could be really interesting. You encounter like an enemy caster and they know how it works. You don't. So you show up and then you see one of them and it like points at the fighter or something and then nothing happens. And then the next round, like a lightning bolt goes off and then hits the fighter and whoever has whatever. (laughs) Right. I think that's really cool. That's, that's interesting. That's got some potential right there. Um, what if there was a, uh, like a wild, I'm trying to think how to word this, a wild class zone <laughs> where <laughs> when you go into this thing, like your everybody's class, class gets sw- swapped. The DM just hands you a sheet with your <laughs> your stats. It will require a lot of work ahead of time on the DM's part. Uh-huh. Hands you a sheet with your class or your, your stats, but a different class. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, like it could be like, I go and attack and you and the and the DM goes, okay, you cast magic missile, you know? Okay, like, okay You just like you tell the DM what you want to do and they just
0: like decide something else a different class would do and it yeah. just happens. I, I like the idea of wild zones that don't they're not affecting magic. They're affecting physical things. Yeah.
1: Like wild material zones where sure. like, oh shoot, my sword's made out of mud. Like what happened?
0: <laughs> or or wild weapon zone where your weapons just become other weapons. They just become every round. It's a different weapon.
1: They just become the same weapon, but it's on the end of a spike chain. Sure. The exotic weapon. Sure. zone.
0: The exo- oh my goodness. The exotic weapon zone. Jeff. All right. High five. You, you got it. Got it in one. All right. Um, that's ridiculous. Um Cause I, I think I, I posted in the discord when this was asked, like, what would a, a wild science zone look like or yeah. or a zone where science doesn't work
1: yeah or like yeah like if the, the the laws of thermodynamics just went
0: crazy in this one zone yeah you walk in with like uh you have a wheel and you put a ball in it and it spins and it just keeps getting faster and right. faster and faster and faster and <laughs> per- faster it's
1: a per- yeah perpetual, perpetual motion machine yeah <laughs> i was obsessed with those for
0: a while yeah. i was like oh my god now I, th- I think I think every every science minded kid at some point right, was really. like oh but what if what if you did this yeah. surely it would no, work No I
1: heard there's a guy who's got has got one working in his basement somewhere
0: Yeah every few years there's like some some somebody claims they've invented a perpetual motion machine right always. <laughs> um, Uh, I mean, it would, it would be interesting depending on how granular you want to get with the physics of your world. If there was stuff where like, oh yeah, certain chemical reactions just don't work here. Right. Maybe limiting, maybe including or not including biological ones in your own body. Maybe those are shielded or something, but, um, you go to light a fire, but it like freezes instead Mm -hmm. or something. Or like, uh
1: regeneration zone but like but in the way that kind of like like a like a troll does it where like there's like there's like that one type of troll that like grows like extra limbs or i think all trolls have that to enough to a a degree it's
0: uh like a dire troll or something i think it is just a troll that has lived too long
1: right yeah so it's like you know like whenever they lose a limb there's a chance that like two limbs grow instead yeah that sort of thing but like that but like everybody has it you know sure, so like sure. whenever you take damage you you have a chance to like you know grow another limb back or something or like maybe like another you grows out of you or something <laughs> like it's just a weird some weird like sci-fi stuff you could yeah. you could do, throw in there
0: if there was like a maybe like a supercharged zone or something where like all of your magic is like maximized yeah or like enlarged or something like that um, I really just in because you were just saying about the regeneration zone, it made me think of that mode in uh, Overwatch where everybody has like ten times the health and all your abilities. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, cool down your cooldowns. Mayhem. Mayhem. There yeah, you go. Mayhem, May- zone. mayhem zone. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> uh, So just like stuff that's it's guaranteed to create ridiculous battles that yeah. go on forever.
1: That's that. Yeah. That that's actually a really good a mayhem zone where yeah, like everybody has high regeneration or or their like hit points get like quadrupled or something. Yeah. They have. Unlimited spell slots or like they get two actions, three bonus actions. Oh, geez.
0: The the bonus action zone oh. where everybody gets an extra bonus <laughs> <The> action every <laughs> round. Yes. The the bonus action zone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. So, yeah. And there's a lot of potential with just giving just weird, weird zones. The zone zone. The where, zone where, zone. Where every
1: round it's a different zone.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: So the first round, everyone gets a everyone gets two action. Then the next, then the next round, everyone gets four bonus actions, but nothing else.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, I think we figured out the zone. Zone. The that zone, is, zone. That is what uh, what yep. you guys need to put in your games. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just a a random effect to the mechanics of the game every yep. round while in the zone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. And then. <laughs> one one round is the player the the characters play you <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> okay.
0: um one one more thing on topic and then i think we'll i think we'll move on um, okay. <laughs> uh in in eberron they have there hmm. are shoot what are they called uh there's the morning well there is the morning that's where uh um after night is over um oh, sorry <laughs> the, the the morning that's uh, the morn land is a uh a land where like healing doesn't work. And right, yeah. cause some weird random, some like, like magical catastrophe happened. But no, what I was saying was um, they are the way that Eberron is set up with the planes. Oh, right. Yeah. At it, different times, the planes are closer to yes. Eberron than other yeah, times. So like
1: the, the city, uh, the Sharn city of towers is yeah. closely tied to the air. I think it's like, it's called like something. a
0: manifest zone or something. Basically there are certain parts of the world that at all times are considered to be closer to whatever plane. Yeah. So Sharn City of Towers was built in a place where it is closer to the plane of air. Yep. Therefore magic that makes things lighter or or makes things fly is a lot easier to cast. As a result, it was very easy to make a city that is very, very vertical because they were able to use magic to make things yeah lighter more structurally sound and so on they like hand out uh
1: slow fall tablets everywhere They're, like yeah it's yeah just like
0: here take it take a dozen of them yeah so if you fall off a thing it's just in your pocket it automatically activates and, right, uh, yeah. and lets you feather fall um similarly you could have zones that are connected to other planes even if you're not in Eberon, you could throw it into whatever yeah. plane you're in you could there could be an area where just random fires start or an area where uh it's just you walk into the city and suddenly everything is underwater or sure. something like you can't see it until you're in the zone or something. Yeah. But once you're in there, like you're just in a giant bubble of water or something. Hmm. So I don't know. Um, I, I think that, that planar zones could be really cool. Yeah. I'm always a big fan of, uh, of the planes. I think that could be a cool way to, to do it. And there's already kind of a, um, a model for that because Eberron does exactly that. Right. Yeah. So, So, yeah, go use some zones, everybody. The zone (laughs) zone. The zone zone. zone. (laughs) All right. Well, I think uh, that'll do it for our our regular questions for today, but we do still have our social media questions. Our last social media question was, do you use homemade maps? If so, what is your process for making them? Hmm. Uh, Do you recall if you had an answer?
1: Uh, Like, I have a few, like, map-making tools and stuff that I've played around with, but not, not, not much. Like, I haven't really used much you know in an actual game
0: yeah i'm terrible at making maps mm. with or without map making software i usually just i'll flip open a uh, um a pre-written module find a map that looks good and then use that for sure generally speaking i
1: like the thing where you like roll the dice you, the, you roll the dice on the page and then mm-hmm. trace around it to make like a little that like, works continent map or something like that yeah, I, I like yeah. stuff like that that those little like world building trick trick things sure those, sure. those
0: are fun Um, over on Facebook, Sean M says, I'll use a battle map to draw out my dungeons. I'll also use it to convey general layouts for more theater of the mind scenarios. I've used incarnate, which is a, that's a program. A lot of people uh, reference on here. I've used incarnate and a similar one for purchase on steam. I bought a 3d printer and I've started to print things, but I've noticed I I'm still likely to need to draw many maps until I flesh out the printed collection. Right. And I am, uh, I've been in a a feud with my 3D printers for a while, but Mm. I, that is something I would still like to do. Yeah. You know, once, once I start actually playing again or, or running a game again, I would love to make physical dungeons with 3D printed stuff. I think that could be really cool. Yeah. Um, Andrew H says I have using incarnate.com for both world and regional maps. My players have really appreciated them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've, I've seen incarnate, uh, Like, I haven't haven't used it myself, but I've watched some, like, tutorial videos and stuff Mm. on it, and I was like, that's really
0: cool. Yeah, and for anybody who is not familiar, it is the word incarnate or incarnate with a K instead of a C. Yes, incarnate, right? Oh, yeah. that Yeah, incarnate. Incarnate. However however you want to pronounce that. Yeah. Isla M. on Facebook, I don't think this person has ever posted anything on Facebook before, so glad to have you. Um, Isla says, I do use homemade maps. I come from a painting and design background, so I feel very confident in my random shape abilities. So I slap one of those down, then figure out the simple topography of mountains, plains, and forests. Rivers only flow via the quickest route, with one exception. I made my main campaign, where there is a town called Backturn, because it is right next to where the river turns back on itself. Hmm. I use a digital drawing program called Procreate and make brushes to do the hard, repetitive work for me, like mountains and trees. Hmm. But I always make sure to break up my brush cheat mountains with specific named mountains. Because I made the brush assets myself, essentially making randomized stamps of mountains or trees... I can easily add or alter the stamped assets without the style looking mismatched. Mm. That's a really cool yeah. idea. If you are going to be doing this on some sort of, of thing, use stuff that you can easily copy paste, but also put in some yeah some uh, some unique stuff here and there.
1: I'm I'm actually proud of myself for knowing everything that was just said. <laughs> okay,
0: like I was like, yeah, I know, I know exactly what she's what she's
1: talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, you make that like because there are some of the maps stuff that I've used. They mm-hmm. like you know a guy posted a file with just a bunch of like mountain stamps okay and i was like oh yeah these are great like they're just like little black and white so that so that it knows you know the pattern to draw the mountain in or whatever mm-hmm. and it, it's really great
0: well there you go um and then uh uh isla or ila i hope i'm pronouncing that somewhat right in the campaign i'm running now the main continent was split a few millennia ago so i started with the full map then split and moved the part that was split off And I feel it is worth mentioning. I use a lot of name generators to help me name stuff and try to keep my players from referring to the Chicago region or (laughs) New England coast for the sake of immersion. Naming the big noteworthy stuff in the beginning has saved me loads of time. Yeah. Um, And I just remembered when I ran our keepers of the list campaign a long time ago, I made a little like regional map. And I think I did it in paint. And um, I think I did. I I made a little mountain and then I just copied and pasted it all over the place. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of what I did. So anyway, so I I I'm realizing now I have sort of done sure. some of this, but again, I'm not good at it. <laughs> uh, I didn't have anybody on Twitter. On Reddit, we just got a couple. Pruno says, I used Roll20 and also Pyromancer to make my own maps. But the best rule of D&D is to steal everything, period. (laughs) I get maps from Reddit D&D maps, save them and drop them into Roll20, fill in the gaps from there and focus on the other details for the upcoming session. Sure. Hey, everybody does it. Right. As long as you're not trying to make money off of it, steal whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Scottish Unicorn Clan says, drawing them out is my preferred method for city, battle, and simple country maps. But I'll sometimes use online programs for anything bigger like continents. With me, I just kind of took North America and made it backwards. I think that's <laughs> what I did. You know, steal everything. <laughs> steal everything, Exactly. And over on Discord, E Thompson 3 says, We tend to use a laminated grid hexagon board. Then we use dry erase markers to draw maps. It's cheaper and less effort than making nice maps, but also lets them use their own imagination for what the terrain or scenery looks like. Uh, Damien the DM says, Not handmade, but I do make maps using dungeon fog and print them out for use at the table. And then uh, Damien has several pictures yeah. that he's done.
1: I don't know if that's the one. There's one I have on Steam. That this one reminds me of. And mm. it, it basically is like, it's just like a little grid. You can kind of, it, it's like what, it's just like a flat map thing. Yeah. And the, the way that it's formatted is it's for, it's like, it's put into like printable pages. Okay. So like, like when you want to expand the map, you expand it in an eight and a half by 11. Oh, okay. You know, fashion. So that like when you're, you know, when you're creating the maps, all you got to do is just print them out on a, on a, you know, regular printer and sure. just
0: tape them together. Jeff, was it? you or Steve that found, there was like a, um, a program that I think it was like in beta or Kickstarter phase or something. Oh, Oh, uh, tailspire tailspire. I'll yeah. put that in the show notes. That was, can you give a good description of what that was?
1: Well, yeah. So it's, it's like, it was a 3d, like it's basically a 3d, uh, like a virtual tabletop. Yeah. It's a virtual tabletop, but it's it, it, like, it was it, where you could make, you know, 3d environments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and it, you know, they're intending it on being like fully playable and like yeah. you roll dice and move miniatures around. Oh, and,
0: and you would like have actual dice in the tabletop yeah. that would roll and you could see it roll and land on whatever yeah. number.
1: And like you can have you can control what players see and stuff. So like there are there, there are some like virtual tabletop stuff out there. Mm-hmm. um, But from what I understand, uh, Talespire, it's still in it's still in very early development. And like they had a Kickstarter that I think finished a while back. Yeah. Um, but the, what, the guys who are, or the the developers who are making it were really into making mods for Neverwinter Nights. Okay. And like thinking back on it, like I do remember there being like mods and stuff for Neverwinter Nights that were pretty dang good. Yeah. So like, and like Neverwinter Nights was probably the most fun I had, like trying to make my own adventures in like okay. in games like, like that. So like, I'm like. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. Like I check in it every once in a while. Like, you know, it's small team progress mm-hmm. slow. It's a Kickstarter thing. It just, you know, it's going to take some time, but it like, it looks very promising. So cool. That's, you
0: know, well, yeah, like I said, I'll put that in the show notes and uh, yeah, keep an eye on it. It's Yeah. It's definitely work worth keeping an eye on for yeah. sure. Um, floofy shube says most of the games I'm in are theater of the mind. So at most we might be using Google maps or a dry erase board. If folks need a little help keeping track of the layout. And uh, Jason E says, I have one of those Chessex four by three foot wet erase mats and I draw the dungeon in different colors. And I've, I have one of these as, as well, I've used it for many years. Yeah. And then uh, he adds, you can also see vague shadows of past adventures. <laughs> and that is, that is one thing that I do love about sure. stuff like that is you can, you can always like see, oh man, I remember when we were in this, <laughs> whatever. Um, I remember there was a time Chris was over. Dang. Uh, and cause it, it was on my mat that he was using, he drew something, he, he was running a game and at some point one of the, the NPCs had a ring that like, as I think we killed the NPC and then it fell, the ring fell off her finger. And then he described the ring as when it hit the ground, it turned into a little demon and ran off. And he drew a picture of it, and he drew it in red. For anybody who's used one of these Chessex mats, you know that uh, red does not come off very well. Sure. <laughs> and so for years, there was this little tiny ring demon on the edge of the map.
1: I I I know that demon because <laughs> yes. we use we use that map all the time, to- that yeah. mat all the time, and I I do remember like the faded. It's it was sort of like an orangey color because that's what yeah. was like the yeah. what was left over. <laughs> I was just like, well, it's like, what is this little this little creature here?
0: Yep. No, that was uh, that was a. Uh, I don't think we ever figured out what we never followed up on that. Never, <laughs> never came up again. Uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely a good uh, good method that Jason uses. Uh, and the beverage tea says, I have tried a few methods, including handwritten on graph paper mm-hmm. and through the tedious process of doing the same on Google Docs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh good old good old graph paper. I had a, I had a pad of
1: graph paper that like I. <laughs> Oh man, I I tore through that thing. I used to I used just draw on it all the time because graph paper was just I don't know. Graph paper is just more fun to draw on because yeah. you, you
0: got it's a it's an easier way to. Keep things symmetrical, I guess. Sure, sure. Uh, just a couple more. Um, Bill IVC says, "I run online mostly, so do Theater of the Mind. Even so, I will often look up maps online to use as reference or inspiration for many specific purposes. I will draw my own for in-person games. I just picked up a book of maps on Kickstarter, and I'm working on terrain for encounters. Oh, huh. there you go. Yeah, a
1: map book. On... Okay. Yeah, people just yeah putting out books of maps and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah People yep. people put them on Reddit all the time. Yeah. Huh. Um." P-Story Pancakes says, the first thing I did for our homebrew game was make a world map. Back then I just used graph paper and started drawing, and that's what we used at the beginning. Later, I didn't like how it looked, so I retraced it on blank paper. Yeah. And then uh, she put a a picture of that. Uh, Debra Soar says, so I use whatever's at my disposal, but usually I draw one on one of those rubber wet erase mats. Planning the maps, however, there is nothing better than basic graphing paper. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, New York Tater says, Cartography has been a bit of an interest of mine, but I never really dug into it serious enough. I've been working on a few things and created a map using PowerPoint and then redrawing it in GIMP to get just the initial line art. GIMP. Haven't heard of that in a while. Yeah. I I have that on my computer. I use that for... um, Back when I did... It was the Keepers of the List campaign. I I made a bar flyer for you guys. Oh, yeah. I I made it through GIMP because that was the only... Uh, photo software I had that was not uh, that was not Paint. Sure. So um, anyway, I think I think that's uh, that's all of the responses for uh, for that one. But next week's social media question is: If you could play through an RPG based on the book of your choice, what would it be? Hmm. I think we've talked about the. I think we've had this question in a similar format before, yeah. but I don't think it's ever been books.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I see like I don't I haven't I have not read a ton of books. Mm-hmm. I guess like the easiest answer for me would just be the Harry po- Harry Potter, but there is a, there is ter- Harry Potter tabletop games, like they exist. Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure.
0: I'm sure somebody has done it, there isn't an official one though, I think. What...
1: Mm. Maybe yeah, maybe not. But yeah, it it's out there for sure. Yeah. Like it, that's that's easily doable. I could I could see that that could be potentially kind of fun. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I, I would probably say Harry Potter as well.
1: Yeah, like and that the Harry Potter one, like if it's like, if it's during like the school year stuff, like mm-hmm. I feel like that could be more, it feels like it could be more casual. Sure.
0: Um. I mean, everybody knows that when the school year is going on, you just wait around until the end of the year and then Voldemort shows up.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and then some crazy stuff happens. <laughs> Harry Potter does some crazy stuff. Yep. <laughs> so I, you know, it, it could be, it could be kind of fun though. i like, I feel like it's like lower stakes. Sure. Adventure because sure. your kids in a, school or whatever but yep.
0: you know similarly i think the the percy jackson series could lend itself well sure. to a uh, a tabletop game where yeah. your your class is kind of based off of whatever whoever your uh your character's um divine parent is right yeah and then, you know you go from there mm. Uh, I recently finished reading a, a graphic novel series called Lock and Key. Oh, right, yeah. Which I guess is getting a Netflix series sometime oh, soon. cool. Which hopefully is going to be really good. And that is amazing. I would I would love to play through a tabletop RPG based on that. It's like just a modern day; these kids are in in this weird old house where they find all these keys that do supernatural things. And I don't know. I just think that that sort of thing could be really fun. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess we can include. Uh, Graphic novels if if, <laughs> if anybody is is sure curious or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah, I feel like that that that's fair. Close yeah. enough, you know. Um all right. Well I think that'll do it for our questions for today. But before we close out, uh I think we should uh let's let's relax. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Let's think of those who have come before us and made the world a better place mm-hmm. for us uh, as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. Today's funeral pyre story was submitted by Danny C. via email, and the story is titled Zenward Melrick's Final Choice. Oh, okay. Zenward the Warlock was known for his ability to be as far away from danger as possible whenever an encounter started, preferring to shoot eldritch blasts from afar instead of getting into the mess of a fight with his comrades. However, when the party was ambushed mid-combat by a pair of highly trained assassins that had been tracking the group, Zenward ignored the demanding voice of his patron as it, as it ordered him to flee, and instead used his final moments defending his friends, and, as a result, found himself subject to the main brunt of the vicious attack. Ooh. While he had never chosen to be particularly heroic before, his final choice was the very definition of heroism. And then uh, Danny C. added, his death was hard for the group as they've all been together nearly a year. And more importantly, it was coming up on Zenward's birthday, something the group was jokingly talking about throwing a party for. So, yeah, who's cutting onions? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> all right, so let's, uh, let's raise a glass in memory of uh, Zenward Melrick, who uh, reminds us. That if you're gonna cut onions, you should rinse them off in cold water first so that the uh, fumes don't get in your eyes and make you cry. It, is that right? Supposedly, oh. never worked for me, but anyway. Clink. Clink.
1: <laughs> Actually, uh, the way to do it is like never, never cut off the root.
0: I've heard that too. I I feel like that hasn't worked for me either. I like, I I never have I never have issues cutting onions like I I, I always do like. Every once
1: in a while, it'll it'll hit me hard, but usually it just I never I don't like I I've gotten good enough at cutting them that I cut them fast enough where it just doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest part is just cutting just them fast, fast enough. You, you know. know, I I worked in a. Italian restaurant for a couple of years, right? Yeah, and Antonio's? working the, yeah Antonio's, uh, working the slicers. You'd have to, you know, we'd slice so many onions, and so you've not only got just for like an hour at a time you're slicing onions, but it's got the spinning blade that's basically throwing the the yep. juice up in the air. Yep, Jim, yeah, same thing at Jimmy John's. Oh, yep. Awful. I'm getting tear. I'm getting tear just <laughs> thinking about it. I don't know if I'm if I'm that's a psychosomatic reaction to right. the thoughts, or if I'm crying because of the <clears throat> years I spent cutting right. onions. Anyway, <laughs> to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflictgmail.com. At for show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r interpartyconflict, on our interparty discord, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where we
1: play video games, and I'm hoping it sounds like Griff might be getting a more reasonable work schedule. Oh, cool. I'm, I haven't I haven't talked to him about it lately, so I'm
0: not 100% sure, but mm-hmm. hopefully we can get back into it cool. pretty soon. So. That'd be awesome. Um, Also, I'm probably going to have a few weeks off from work uh, coming up soon, so hopefully we can record some over the holiday. Sounds good. Uh, Speaking of video games, check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you'd like to submit your own childhood memories of going to the arcade, record them or write them to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show. What you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at Hollenspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless to Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time... Gabe, I cut up all these onions for your sandwich. Oh, no! <laughs> i <know>. I'm crying. <laughs>